Greetings, church and friends of the church. Uh, this is the scripture and the sermon that were a part of the worship of Valley Forge Presbyterian Church on Sunday, August 8th, 2021. Um, this is a sermon uh, that's part of a seven-week uh, focus on the wisdom of the Apostle James, one of the earliest voices speaking into the world after Jesus happened about what it meant to intentionally implement his teachings into the social order so that the world could be reshaped by an intentional Christianity, um, that the here and now would be impacted and shaped and changed because of the way of Christianity. So last week, uh, in the last episode, we, we heard this same text, the same part of James' letter, reflected on uh, what it means to have a, a Christian faith that's not dead or lifeless or unanimated, but a faith that's revealed to be active and alive, uh, effectual, powerful, by the intentional works that it naturally produces. And then uh, in this episode, we hear this text again, and we consider <clears throat> two key questions that James raises about um, salvation and justification. Two big theological words that we reflect on here. All right, so let's hear it. Um, James writes, what good is it, brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you do not have works? Can faith save you? There's a salvation piece. If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? And so faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was brought to completion by the works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And so he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. <clears throat> All right, so first question James asks, can faith save us? So the Greek word used by Jesus and James and the other early Christians um, to talk about God's salvation, this action of people being saved, is the word sozo. It's a Greek word sozo, which does not mean placing some sort of insider or favored moral status upon an individual. That's not what Jesus or James talked about when he talked about human beings being saved by God. It was not about an individual getting labeled with this insider or favored moral status. Rather, what it literally meant, 
And what they were talking about when they used this word sozo was rescue, healing, God's ability to preserve. It is not the promise of a future action of God, or maybe in our imaginations, we, some of us still imagine St. Peter uh, acting on behalf of God at the gates like some sort of heavenly bouncer. That's not the place where salvation, this salvation that Jesus and James talked about took place. Sozo is a present, active, temporal action here, today, in this life, not just someday somewhere else in some other realm. Sozo, God's action of salvation, is action. It's not just allowance, it's action, intervention, healing, rescuing, that happens in the here and now, in the midst of this life and its circumstances. It's not about when life ends, and it's, and it's not only about individuals, but about God's eternal nature, character, will, as the God who rescues, heals, redeems, and seeks to restore all people and all nations corporately. It's about everything, and not just us, uh, conditionally upon a few. So when we read the Hebrew scriptures, we read about how the Israelites were commissioned by God to be a people who were blessed in order to be a blessing unto all the nations, acting, teaching, guiding all the other nations of the earth in ways that would restore the social order of peace, changing the circumstances of power and relationships among nations so that the enmities between nations would be healed. Beating swords into plowshares is a popular um, picture of what this meant in the Hebrew scriptures, so that there was this collective sozo, collective salvation, corporate salvation, not in the future, but in the present. And when the Israelites were met with resistance and violence and oppression as they were seeking to be this kind of a people, participating and bringing this about, they called out to God for sozo, salvation. And they weren't begging for individual get-out-of-hell-free cards. They, they were not asking God to act on their behalf for the sake of them someday. They were, they were calling out for God to rescue them from their present suffering and fears, to heal those enmities that were causing them harm, to preserve a life of peace in the here and now. At the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, he tells the story of the angel speaking to Joseph that he and Mary are to name this boy Jesus because he's going to save Sozo, his people. That wasn't a promise about heaven someday for a select few that enter into the right kind of relationship with this boy, however that works. Rather, this was about Jesus' people the Jewish people, living under the oppressive occupation of the Roman Empire. And it was the promise that the leadership and the teachings and the way of service and kindness of Jesus would be the way forward to a restored well-being, a new era of positive circumstances for the Jewish people. When the people of Jerusalem, and all those who came from other towns and other villages, uh, other religions, were shouting, Hosanna, save us, at Jesus as he entered town. They weren't begging Jesus to save them from eternal torment in some other realm. 
but to save them right then and there in this world, in this life. They, they weren't begging him to write them a, a free ticket to heaven, but, but begging Jesus to usher in God's sozo salvation into their present lives. They were begging to be saved from sickness, oppression, marginalization, poverty, violence, displacement, division, and fear. They were begging Jesus to rescue them from their hardships in the here and now to heal the brokenness of those human hearts and power that were oppressing and causing such pain. And they were begging him to lead the way to the preservation of peace. As John wrote in his gospel, Jesus did not come into this world to condemn it. Jesus came so that through him, the world might be saved, sozoed, rescued from the brokenness and the violence and the division that we bring upon ourselves as a people and nations, self-inflicted wounds, healed of that which divides us, and restored to a place of peace together, a life together in which all seek to ensure the well-being of everyone. And Jesus called this plan for the salvation of the world, his kingdom on earth. When Paul uh, brought Christianity to Philippi, this is how he talked about it. He, he taught these early Christians, have the same mind of Jesus within all of you, animating you to live with the same love as your primary mode of being and, and acting uh, the same ways that Christ acted. Do nothing from selfish ambition, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. And then he says this. Doing, living in this way, work out your salvation. Your plural, corporate, sozo. Right then and right then, right there. Work it out. Participate in it. Act in its nurture and growth and propagation. He says, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you to both will and to work for his good pleasure and purposes. Salvation is not something that just passively happens to us magically, supernaturally. It is something that we must work out. So our salvation doesn't need to be earned. This is where our Protestant theological convictions can be named. We do not need to earn God's intervention and orchestration of salvation in this world. We must always remember that we are not ignored by God, overlooked by God, cursed with illness or hardship by God, or left to suffer in our negative circumstances by God if we don't somehow earn our way to appeasing God by giving something or praying a certain prayer or doing something out of obligation, that is just not true. And we have to confess that with conviction. Paul was careful to spell this out to the Ephesians when he insisted that it is simply by God's grace, God's eternal nature of being for this world in creative and sustaining love that we uh, as a people in this world, experience God's sozo salvation. We are saved because God is graceful and not because we've done anything to earn it of our own. 
No one is more or less worthy of God's intervention in this world for the sake of salvation. However, though we need not earn it, we must participate in it. We must work it out if we want it to come to fruition. It's a gift that has to be tended to and not taken for granted. Salvation, the kind of salvation that Jesus talked about and sought to bring to the world, not just a salvation of the soul at the moment of death, but the salvation of the here and now, the rescuing and the healing and the restoration of our circumstances in the here and now. What we understand as truly Christian salvation requires action and not just belief. James asks, if a sister or brother is naked and hungry, uh, and the salvation that Jesus would seek to bring them, that God is seeking to bring them, is not about someday, but about rescuing from that suffering in the here and now. Can, James asks, without action, can salvation come to them? Can faith without works save that person? Can faith without works save us as a collective to the point that our social order is reshaped so that no one goes naked or hungry anymore? Can that happen without works? And the answer is no. You have to work it out. When we talk about God's salvation in our time and place, do we think that salvation is only about individuals? rather than everyone, about the next realm and chapter in eternity, rather than this time and place and experience. God's salvation was never meant to be excluded from this time, this place, this life. God is always seeking to reconcile, redeem, restore all things in heaven and earth, seeking to save this world from its brokenness and its violence that plagues it here and now. So James asks, can, can faith save us? Is the, is the personal and eternal exercise of believing the right things, trusting the right things about God's uh, restorative and peacemaking salvation among us enough? If that's how we define faith, is, is what we believe to be true, is that enough to, to work out God's salvation? Or do we have to do something? We have to work it out by our actions. And so we confess that, yes, it is by faith that we discover and experience God's salvation, but only when it is a faith that is alive, a faith that is animated, a faith that works. The second question James asks here, um, or that he raises, we, we ask ourselves, what does it mean in saying that we're justified by works and not by faith alone? So at first, this sounds like it would make um, Martin Luther roll over in his tomb. For the banner that Luther carried as he sought to bring reformation to the Christian faith was faith alone. His argument was that the Roman church at the time was teaching that a Christian was required to do good works in order to earn God's love, favor, and salvation, that, that if the right things weren't done or said in order to earn this, then, then God would intentionally leave an individual outside of the realm of salvation. 
So this theology was known as works righteousness, and this was just not true of God at that time of Luther or at the time of Jesus or at the time of Abraham or at any time, including now. It's just not true. We are never outside of God's loving efforts to bring healing and salvation and restoration to all of us in all the world. So when we look at what James was really saying, better understanding how he understood justification, we can see that he's not disagreeing with Luther and the central tenets of our Protestantism because James isn't is not arguing that we are required by God to do anything in order to get on God's good side and to be eligible for God's loving work of salvation. We are always eligible. God is always working by that eternal nature of love to sozo us and all the world. So what is James really saying? Well, the Greek word uh, for justify is a legal term, um, which literally means that someone is revealed as one whose actions demonstrate rightness and conformity to a proper standard. So it's a the proof is in the pudding kind of legal term. So this is not justification, as James is discussing, is not about a once and for all favored or protected uh, legal status or immunity, but about the truth that one's particular actions demonstrate. On a case-by-case basis, wherever there's this question about someone's actions, the truth about those actions either justifies that person or doesn't. When we talk theologically about being justified, we aren't talking about some prayer or some confession or belief statement or some obligatory action or giving moving us from the category of undeserving and unlovable to deserving and lovable before God. What we're talking about when we talk about justification theologically before God is about being revealed to be those whose faith expressed in fruitful works demonstrates our conformity to the standard that has been set for us, which is conformity to the way of Jesus. If we are accused of being unfaithful or unchristian, what justifies us? We're justified by the fruits of our Christian work, Christ-like work. They justify us. They demonstrate that our faith is true. We talk about this without using this word justification with with our three daughters all the time. We say something to the effect of, what is the expectation for you in our household? Be kind. Kindness. Okay. Are you, daughter, seeking to be a sibling of kindness? Yes, dad. Yes, mom. Okay. Well, were those particular actions kind? No. Okay. So is this daughter justified by her belief that she is a sibling of kindness? Or is she justified by her actions of kindness? So these these three creatures in our household, these beloved, beautiful creatures, can say all day that they believe in being siblings of kindness. But if they never, ever act out that kindness in their works, then are they really siblings of kindness? 
Is it really good enough to just say it? Or is it really only revealed as true when they do it? Beliefs and good intentions are not the same as action. And as Christians, we are revealed as those who demonstrate conformity to the ways of Jesus, not by what we say we believe or not what we say our good intentions are, but how we work and act. That is what James is saying, justification. All right, so salvation and justification. How will God's salvation continue to reshape our congregation, your congregation, the community and the world around congregations so that we as a collective people, as a social order, are remade so that the here and now looks more like the kingdom that Christ sought to bring to humanity here rather than the world that we have made for ourselves? How will God bring about the healing and the rescue, the change, adaptation, reformation that's required to bring about more justice, more peace, the well-being of all people and not just some? Well, it won't come from a workless Christian faith of rituals and beliefs, but through a vibrant and alive Christian faith that is brought to completion, as James said, animated in our works, our action, those intentional Christian works of all those committed to working out God's blessed sozo salvation. God's sozo will not come to those people and nations for whom we pray each week among our congregations and our families, our social circles, our communities, and our world, unless we participate in it, unless our faith animates us to act, working out God's will of salvation with intentionality, not just well-wishing, but doing what needs to be done to help and heal. Or if someone's hungry, and we wish them well and well-fed, but we do nothing to act, to meet their needs. Then James says, what, what good is that? How will we be justified? How will Christians, here and now, be revealed before God and before a very skeptical and cynical community as those who authentically and truly uh, walk the walk and not just talk the talk, truly and authentically conform to the will and the ways of Jesus, the ways of love, compassion, and pursuing peace through work that often comes at a cost to the self. How will we demonstrate? that we are salt and light that can be trusted to inspire and guide and reshape the social order of the here and now. Again, it won't be by our beliefs or our prayers or our well wishes, but by the intentional good works born of a Christian faith that is nurtured and grown so that it conforms to the standard that is set before us 
which is the work and the ministry of Jesus. We are loved by God regardless, unconditionally, no matter what, whether we work or not. But if we are truly committed to the salvation that God is seeking to bring to us, to our neighbors, and to our world, then it's time to get to work. So God help us. Take care. Be safe. Wear your mask. Please, please, if you have not been vaccinated, please get vaccinated. It is safe to do so, and it is a work of love and salvation uh, that we are trying to work out together for the sake of our collective healing. And uh, peace be to all. Take care.